And here we go for the Thursday show. Tomorrow is Friday, and we are going to fire it up. Myself on the stretch show, then Moto Man and Kyle coming up at 3 o'clock on Friday with the uh, Moto Man Kyle experience. It's like the Jimi Hendrix experience, but totally different and way less talent. And they will be on Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock to 7 o'clock. And then on Saturday, the whole crew is in the house. Myself, Moto Man, Jason from Honda Yamaha Redlands, and Mr. Bookie Kyle, who is a cheating bastard that exploits the labor of an eight-year-old child for his moto picks. There's now issues with that. And Kyle is, uh, he's won three weeks in a row, I think. Crazy with eight-year-old doing his picks. Shows you how great we are at sports picks. Same thing with football picks. You're like, I'm my biggest football fan in the world. I couldn't do a fantasy team to save my life. It's worth a crap. Oh, man. So, today, though, before we get to the Friday Palooza, we've got motocross. We have got Mr. Nate Thrasher from the Star Racing Yamaha team coming up in minutes. And this guy's got a better story than we have been talking about, and that's because he's got a far greater injury than we knew about that happened at the round one of the 250 East in Houston. He was injured. Then the guy comes back and races at Tampa and damn near wins it, and he had a gnarly injury just a week later. He then had two weeks off for for it to heal up before he had to race again, and then he wins, and that's a triple crown event with a lot of pounding and a lot of physical uh, crap to it, and this guy's had a blown out knee the whole time, and he talks about it like it's no big deal, but it's a very impressive feat. These guys are badasses. They really are. All these dudes that race these dirt bikes, and I don't care if you come in last place, you are a thousand times more the athlete than any of us numbnutses that babble on the radio and uh, talk smack about riders. They're like, dude, he sucks. Why'd he do that? Oh, man. I don't wear that section. I took that line right there. And I just went a brat right out of it and just made the pass. Yeah, shut up, idiot. It's crazy. I learn stuff every week talking to these guys. That's stuff you don't see on camera because we're not on the track because we're not racing because we're not making those split-second high-level athlete decisions that these guys are making out there on the track. So all respect to every one of these guys out there. And Nate Thrasher, just uh, a tough freaking uh, battler is what he is. So I love to see someone that be a competitor like that and just put it all out on the line. And we will talk to him coming up in moments. Now, besides Moto today, besides our friend Nate Thrasher, I got a lot of other stuff to talk about. I have a really good story I'll get into right after Nate Thrasher that is uh, just kind of a refocus on the UFO topic. Because I've been screaming from the mountaintops that the government's been muddying the waters with the balloon talk because that's what they want to do because they don't want to divulge the truth and they don't want to talk about UFOs, and they don't want to do... They just want it to go away. Because they don't have nothing to see here. And, well, there is something to see here. And there's a lot of stuff that, guess what, is balloons. There's a lot of stuff out there that probably are drones. And there's a lot of stuff that aren't. And I will drive home a story from a former U.S. Navy fighter pilot who's saying, no, 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 no. Don't get off the topic on balloons. So, very, very good story. And I will gladly get into that one right after we talk to Nate Thrasher. And then I have, uh, oh man, I you know the the I guess the sultry stew of just crapped them is what the stretch show really is. 
I got somebody else shipping cocaine instead of doing the old school hand delivery method that the Big 49 will do when we ever decide to slang cocaine. But it's... I'm seeing this as a theme where people are like, hey man, that's not how, that's not how you're slang. You're not slang cocaine like that. No, 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 no. You gotta take the old school hands-on approach. You gotta hand deliver it. You gotta make the popo work for it. Because then they get you before you know you got got. I got a possible sighting of the Loch Ness Monster. People are shredding that one all the hell. And speaking of slinging cocaine, it's a dangerous world because I got a drug cartel assassin story coming up too. Motoman's gonna have to watch out for them. Because stretches is Kaiser Kozak. Kaiser Soze. That's what I have. Greatest movies ever. Usual suspects. Kaiser Soze. I'm hiding out. That's what I am. I'm, I'm the guy they think is the gift, but in the end, I'm, I'm the mastermind of the drug kingpin smuggling operation. I have uh, Your Grandma Might Be a Whore and a, a terrifying story of a 70 year old lady that is now a porn star. And I have stories about sexual positions and fun things like that. I got a what the Florida story of a guy that's not honest. And I got a big city in America that is just as effed up as every big city for the same exact reasons. Pulled their head out of their collective ass this week and bounced their jackass moron super libtarded mayor. And that's progress in America. That is massive progress. And we will talk about this because... America is hurting, and it's the voting public's fault. Get into all this next. Get ready. Nate Thrasher. And then my UFO talk of the day. It's the ramblings of a madman here on the Stretch Show. Big 4-9. The man Earth. All right, the band Blink-182 has announced that they are postponing the start of their world tour, which was supposed to kick off in Tijuana on March 11th. For Christ's sake, who booked that? I would fire my booker if they're like, Stretch, we're kicking off your world tour in Tijuana. I'd be like, yeah, guess who's uh, not got a job anymore? You. I'm not going to Tijuana. But uh, they're not going either because it has been postponed because Travis Barker has injured his finger. It's broken and swollen. And, well, when your drummer doesn't really have all of his digits, it's pretty hard to drum. So they have postponed everything for Travis to get better. Here's something interesting. Michael Irvin has won a major court victory in the fact that he's suing the Marriott Hotel. Remember, these people got him removed from Super Bowl coverage because while he was down there, a lady at the Marriott Hotel where he was staying said he basically accosted her. She filed a complaint. He was removed from the CBS coverage and has been removed from a lot of stuff since then because people think he did something shady because, well, he's a shady character for with a shady past. But in this situation, maybe he didn't do it. They finally forced the hotel to turn over the video footage, and he says this will exonerate him and show he did absolutely nothing. We'll see about that. And here's good news. The government has now concluded after a years-long study on the Havana Syndrome. Remember, that's where spies and foreign diplomats that were overseas or working at clandestine situations all came down with this crazy, weird mental illness and had brain damage and all kinds of stuff. They say none of our adversaries have a weapon that could do that, so there's nothing to see here. Simply move along. It's just circumstantial. <laughs> I feel so good about this, don't you? The Man Earth. Man Entertainment with Stretch. 
Big 49 into stretch, and right now we are sitting down with the winner of the Arlington Supercross, a dude that just missed out on a win the last time we saw the 250 East race out in Tampa, and that, my friends, is Star Racing Yamaha's Nate Thrasher. And now, Nate, we've learned something during this break when we went back to the 250 West to squeeze in the Oakland Supercross makeup. Uh, you were injured, and apparently you got injured in Houston, which was the first round for the 250 East, and you then have put on an epic battle and looked really, really good. Last time we saw you guys, when you battled with Hunter and lost by one one-hundredth of a second, it was insane. We didn't know you were as badly hurt as it seems like you were. Can you uh, give us a little description of what's going on with you and this injury right now and how you're able to ride as well as you did tonight? Uh, no, nope. I'm not really treating it like I'm hurt. Uh, just trying to just doing the same stuff I did in the first round. I felt really good the first round. I felt like I had a good speed, but after that first crash, I just kind of there wasn't much left in it. Uh, okay. I was hurting pretty bad, so I just tried to finish that one. And then we got uh, got a good trainer, uh, yeah. Swanee. So he just kind of got me back where I needed to be, and we're just managing it. But yeah, I'm not really treating anything differently. I mean, I'm trying to go out there to win races, just like I came to the season trying to do, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously there, but you, yeah. once you get the adrenaline pumping, it, it's a lot easier. Now, could, could you give us the extent of the injury? Is it a partial tear in a ligament in your knee? Is it a full tear? Like, what exactly is going on with your knee? Because it's gnarlier than we thought. Um, It is what it is. I'm not yeah. going to go into the full details of it. Just trying yeah. to keep it kind of low-key and kind of do what I can do. And okay. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely not good, but... Yeah, like I said before, we're we're trying to do a job, and the knee's definitely an issue, but yeah. it's it's not holding me back. So we'll just keep pushing and do a, it's the cards we're dealt. So there's nothing you can do with it. All right, and but how do you train around that? So you know you've had some time off, which is cool. You said you've got a good trainer, and you guys are doing everything you can, doing everything right. But how do you train? How do you ride during the week? How do you practice? And how do you get ready for a round of the Supercross when you're trying to fix a knee at the same time and recovery that you don't have? Uh, yeah. I would say there's not much during the week, really. We're kind of okay. just pretty limited on what we can do, just trying to manage it. But okay. uh, it's been good. we just kind of putting our laps in and, and doing the things we can, the best we can, and coming to the race this weekend, uh, the best recovered and uh that's pretty much all we can do. I mean, uh, it sucks it happened, but it happened in Houston, and... Uh, it's a bummer, but we'll, we'll be good. We're just going to keep fighting, and uh, we'll be uh, – it's no excuses. Uh, everybody's dealing with something, so uh, we'll just keep pushing to it. Now, tonight was a triple crown, and if you have your choice, uh, what would you rather do, the triple crown or the regular format where we just have the main event and, you know, and the heat races? So uh, what do you prefer? Granted, you get the win tonight, which is kind of awesome, but uh, break it down for me, uh, triple crown as opposed to – regular racing for you guys in the supercross uh yeah um it's only my second one so it's kind of yeah. hard to say but yeah if i had to choose it would definitely be a uh, regular main okay. event because yeah. it's only five more minutes and <laughs> we're doing 30 minutes of yeah. pretty much main event racing you know what i mean you're doing an extra 15 total minutes and yeah yeah it's, it's definitely tougher on the body on the mind and everything just because you gotta you gotta nail all three starts you okay. know what i mean and, and especially tonight the track was the bowls were prepped so much and uh the whoops were so nasty at the end that last one they just got so slick um it was hard to make passes coming through uh it was tough because there's not many lines to choose from so yeah 
I would say that uh, once the main event comes around, normally the track's pretty beat up and they don't prep it much. So I yeah. would say that's a big key. All right, yeah, that that uh, makes sense. But let's uh, talk about the track a little bit more tonight. It seemed like okay, cool. It's a tech, you know not as technical as we seem. We also had the futures racing tonight, and they tend to, to make the track a little mellower on those nights. But uh, a lot of guys crashed. I think that track was way uh, more slippery than anyone thought out there because dudes were going down that don't normally go down. There was just looked like they were dropping the bike, but you know it's because it was getting slick out there and people were washing out all over the place. How did you find the track tonight? Yeah, for sure. Uh, tonight with uh, this dirt looks like it's got quite a bit of traction on it, but yeah. it just don't. <laughs> uh, once the the kind of the moisture comes out of it, it gets super slick. So. Yeah. The track was kind of basic today, but it just made, by the time the main events came and all that, it just got super tricky because it got so slick in the whoops, and the whoops really weren't even big, but if they had traction, it wouldn't have been hard at all, but yeah. you're just slipping and sliding out there and yeah. uh, everywhere. Uh, it's just little sections like that, and the tracks have definitely been tricky this year. I feel like every yeah. track with the sand, I and mean, thank God uh, no sand yeah. this, this weekend, <laughs> yes. but if they've been gnarly, that sand in Tampa, good God. I don't know where they get that stuff from, but it's unbelievable. It's like powder out there. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. definitely nice to get away from that tonight. And, yeah, uh, yeah the tracks are difficult. They're building really good. I think all the transition been really good this year. And, uh, yeah, I think it uh, makes for good racing. Yeah, it makes for fun watching, too, because we have loved watching you guys battle it out. The sand has been brutal, but at the same time, it's something to see because you never know what's going to happen every single lap when people go through it. Uh, let's talk about Daytona next week, a very unique track, something completely different than uh, what you guys deal with any other part in the entire season, yet then again, the Triple Crowns are too. How do you uh, get your training in for each round that is you know, unique from other rounds? You got technical tracks, you got this and you get that, got that, but uh, Triple Crown is very different as well as Daytona. So how are you gonna get ready for uh, next week when we head out to that outdoor slash indoor motocross track of Daytona? definitely daytona you'll probably ride a little bit of a daytona track and yeah. kind of do that and get the bike a little bit different because you got to set it up a little bit different for there and just because yeah. it's going to get beat up and rough and it's more like a little outdoor style so yeah you'll probably yeah. do a little bit different for there but triple crowns i mean we do we put so much work in the off season on long motos short motos intensity and all that and yeah. we may change our riding up a little bit the week of just to do three motos and okay. uh, instead of the one okay. but it, it's pretty minute changes i would say i mean all your work's put in from october to uh january so yeah. it's just kind of maintaining at this point all right well uh best of luck and whatever you get to do next week i don't know how much the knee will allow and how much you're going to be able to do before you hit daytona but you've been ripping it on the bike looking really good uh two rounds since the injury and you have been right there you win one and the other one you come in second after just missing the top spot on the podium so uh, good job. Keep up the great work. Can't wait to see you next week in Daytona. Best of luck to you and the Star Racing Yamaha crew. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Yesterday, the Kawasaki Corporation dropped some gear, and they had a full-court social media press. I'm telling you, every dude that rides a Kawasaki that they have their talons in in any way, shape, or form 
was doing social media posts wearing the new Kawasaki gear, encouraging people to get into a dealer or an authorized vendor and pick some up. If you are down with Team Green, they got your new gear. And I have to tell you, the funniest one I saw was Jason Anderson, because you know he doesn't like the press. He doesn't like to do anything. He's literally sitting there in a rainy, uh, under a tent, looking like grumpy as ever, wearing a Kawasaki shirt, and he had his post because they made these guys do this. It was not an option, you had to do it. So if you're down with Team Green, get on social media, see the new gear, and then go pick it up at the stores. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big Four Nine, it's a stretch show on a freaking Thursday, getting ready for Friday, getting ready for Supercross this weekend, a great fun round of Supercross. I think we're all gonna watch it and be incredibly jealous of the weather they're getting in Florida. Looks nice so far. I've been watching everybody practice out there. And it seems lovely. But right now, let's get into one of my other favorite topics on this show, and that is UFOs. And I've been screaming ever since the balloon gate thing. And remember, hey, by the way, have you noticed no one's ever acknowledged any of those balloons they shot down? We've never heard anything about it since. They say they recovered most of the stuff from the what they believed was the Chinese balloon, but then there were three ones right after that that they shot down that I told you were balloon hobbyists that had smaller balloons up in the air flying around with instruments on them, and little nerds would be like, look, our balloon is around the world. It's over Alaska. And one of the balloons they shot down, which was over Alaska, a hobbyist nerd heard from northern Illinois stood up and goes, um, we think that the government shot down our balloon. And that's what those were. We've heard nothing about it since. It's because the government knew what they were. They deliberately shot down these things to say, look, it's just a bunch of balloons. All these unidentified aerial phenomenon, and even the Pentagon was in on the ruse because when they would talk about it, they would say, we are calling these objects for a reason and not balloons. No, you're not. You're calling them objects so that you could muddy the waters of the UFO topic that has recently gained a massive amount of public attention and finally, for the first time in the history of the topic, is being looked at seriously and not as crackpot fringe conspiracy theory nutjobs that are seeing things or that are making things up or that are lying or that are hoaxing or whatever. So that being said, I just saw this article today and I'm like, I need to pass this along to the show because it's really, really good. Goes back to a guy, he was a F-18 pilot for the US Navy in April of 2014. And he goes into a really great story about on this clear day in April, him and his squadron, uh, they were at an altitude of 12,000 feet and they steered towards a warning area, W-72, an exclusive block of airspace 10 miles east of Virginia Beach. They say all traffic into the training area goes through a single GPS point at a set altitude so that it's like a doorway into a massive room where military jets can operate without running into other aircraft says just at the moment that the two jets he was uh, part riding with crossed that threshold, one of the pilots saw a dark gray cube inside of a clear sphere, motionless against the wind, fixed directly at the entry point. Now the jets are flying just 100 feet apart. They zip past the object on either side of it. So you, this thing split them down the middle and they're 100 feet apart. 
Pilots say they came so dangerously close to this thing that they couldn't identify it and that they terminated the training mission immediately and returned to base because they're like, well, we don't we don't know what that was. It was a cube inside of a sphere. Like, uh, we have no idea what that was and we almost hit that damn thing. That's a pretty scary story if you're a Navy freaking fighter pilot. And the guy says he was shaken by it. Says he was shaken by the incident and uh, shortly afterwards in the pilot's room, they were talking and they referred to them as those damn things. And what ends up they're saying for the last eight months of that training exercise at this point in this guy's military career, those damn things had been plaguing them and messing with them all in that area where they were doing all of their training. The guy goes into his credentials and everything about him and talks more and more about this craft. He says, initially when they started seeing them on their radars, they thought they were ghosts in the machine. That means some type of a technical glitch or a hardware glitch or something happening. And then they started not only seeing them on their radars, which could have been a glitch, but on multiple surveillance systems, including infrared sensors that detected heat signatures. Then they started having near misses left and right, and they would have to take evasive maneuvers to keep from hitting these things. He says they damn sure were not balloons. And he said they could accelerate out of nowhere. They would be sitting perfectly still in the air with winds of 120 mile an hour hurricane force category four <laughs> hurricane winds. And they would just be sitting there, not moving. And then all of a sudden they would just poof at the speed of sound, Mach one, bam, gone. Said they had no visible means of lift, no control surfaces or propulsion, and nothing that resembled anything of any type of known aircraft on the planet. He said they would outlast the fighter jets operating continuously throughout the day. And he said the technology just defied logic and they dealt with these things almost on a daily basis for eight months. And this guy goes into it. And he says after the near miss, they had to report a safety report, hoping that something could be done before somebody actually hit one and had some type of catastrophic crash says there was never any official acknowledgement of what they experienced and no further mechanism to report the sightings, even as other air crew flying along the same area would come in and report the same thing. says, now here we are more than a decade later, we still don't know what the hell those things were. And so the guy says in 2019, when he retired from the military, he became the first active duty pilot to come forward publicly and testify to Congress and has been out there ever since. Now then the guy rips into President Biden and says it is his duty to come clean. He said duty to the American people about these things. And believe me, the government knows exactly what they don't know exactly what these things are, but they know that exactly which one of these things are not balloons, which one of these things are not something dumb. But the only ones they want to talk about are the oh, it was a balloon. Oh, we shot it down with a fighter jet. I screamed from the day I heard that that that's what they were doing, muddying the waters of the UAP UFO conversation, trying to show everyone just like they did back in the 1940s and the 1950s when all this started up, nothing to see here. There's nothing to see here. There's nothing in the skies that we can't handle. So this guy uh, 
says the Navy has now officially acknowledged 11 near misses with UAPs that required evasive action and triggered mandatory safety reports between 2004 and 2021. Uh, they also say advanced UAP pose a growing safety hazard to commercial airliners. Last year, a commercial airliner almost had a collision with one of these things flying over West Virginia. Say they experienced a rare failure of two major systems while passing underneath what appeared to be a UAP. So they had this thing floating up in the sky. They passed underneath it, and the airliner had massive failures. So this guy's just like, I like his story, and I like that he is like, no, 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 stop the balloon talk. This is BS. The American public needs to demand accountability from our government. And we need to understand what are in our skies, period. And now this guy says he's launching a thing called Americans for Safe Aerospace ASA, a new advocacy organization for aerospace safety and national security that will support pilots and other aerospace professionals who are reporting UAPs, UFOs. And he says the goal of this organization is to demand more disclosure from the public officials about the significant safety and national security problem that is out there, that they are ignoring, trying to tell you, oh, it was all a Chinese spy balloon. Oh, it was these balloon hobbyists. President Biden needs to address this issue as transparently as possible. The White House uh, should not uh, comp, uh, basically muddy the waters with the low-tech objects, is what he's saying. That they recently shot down with unexplained high-tech advanced objects witnessed by pilots that they know are not balloons. Since we need to urgently address this threat by bringing together the best minds in our military, intelligence, science, and tech sectors. Yeah, good luck. The, the United States government is corrupt and dirty and lies just like every other world government out there. They are about uh, CYA, covering uh, your ass. And when I say your ass, their ass. And that's what they want to do, and they don't care about anything other than that and staying in power and getting more money to spend. And that is a proven fact time and time again. So I like what this guy's doing. I look forward to seeing something from this guy's group, and hopefully something good comes of it. But I anticipate they will be met by fierce government resistance. And by fierce resistance, I mean stubbornness, not willing to cooperate, not willing to share any information, not willing to acknowledge anything, and not willing to tell the truth. That is the fierce opposition they will face from the government. But they are out there, and so is the truth. And I'll keep telling it to you every time I see it. I'm Stretch. It's the Big Four Nine. Big, big, the Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. All right, time to start getting ready for Saturday's Daytona Supercross. And here's what you need to know. It's going to be on the Peacock television, and that's always good. The qualifying rounds will start at 10.30 in the morning Pacific time, and the racing will start at 4 p.m. Pacific time. That means that the Big 49 pre-show will start at 2 p.m. with myself, Moto Man, Jason from HYR, and Bookie Kyle all on the call. So check us out right here on the Big 49. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming. Coming up one hour from now. Here we go. This is Stretch Show. We've got to turn some stomachs now. I hope you haven't just recently had breakfast. This is not anything incredibly disgusting. It's something very natural and wonderful that's going to disgust you.
Ah, boy. You know how people get horny. Playing Me So Horny right now, Two Life Crew. Well, old people get horny too. In fact, your grandma might be a whore. Just saying. I'm just saying. Let me give you this story about a 70-year-old grandma. And by the way, she's a 70-year-old grandma. And I will admit, there are... uh, Old ladies that are like, wow, that's like a that's a good looking old lady. That's not the case in this situation. Uh, her name is uh, Miss Burt. We'll call her. She was a florist for a very long time, and she said she watched the documentary about an old lady being a hose bag and loving the uh, sex with younger men and making a living out of it so much so that she decided to try it. She, at that time, was almost 60, so she's been doing porn already for about 13 years, and she's 70 years old. She is a uh, hooker slash freaking porn star working uh, working as a sex worker, and she said she went through a period in her life where she was no sex for 40 years. And they're like, wait a minute, now all of a sudden what happened? She said she watched this documentary and it was about an 85-year-old lady that was having sex like crazy with young guys. And it was a documentary called My Granny the Escort. And she said it changed her life and it made changed her way of thinking. And she thought if that old tramp can do it, so can I. And she came out. Miss Burt decided at that point she was going to stop being a florist and start banging youngsters for cash. Someone asked her how she keeps her sex drive alive at 70 years old. She says, I don't know, actually. All I know is because I was never aware, I didn't have sex for 40 years. I was never aware of a sex drive because I hadn't had it. She said when she was young, she went 40 years with no sex. It was horrible. So when she woke up at the age of almost 60 to a sex life, she became a big giant whore. Granny porn. That's her thing. She said, I couldn't do it if I didn't enjoy it, and I absolutely love it. She says, I know escorts that do it, and it's like a production line, one in, one out, just doing it for the money. But she says, I don't do it like that. I do it because I really, really enjoy it. She says, the day I don't enjoy it, I'm going to stop doing it. She said, only about three times of all the dudes she's romped with that she didn't enjoy it, and she wouldn't see those gentlemen again. But she says, in five years of doing uh, full-blown, you know, hooker work, that's not so bad. And people uh, seem to love her. They're like, oh, shout out to you. You're so empowering. No, you're not. You're a whore. You're a dirty hooker, prostitute, porn-doing whore is what you are. And I don't care if you're a man or a woman. It's the same thing. And you're a grandma. And you're old. And I'm and I'm looking at this, like, there's clips of the movie, and I'm grossed out by it. I know. Is, am I am I body shaming the old lady? Because I'm old. I don't want to see. I don't even want to see myself naked, and I'm not as old as this lady. Damn, seventy years old. She's ancient. Yeah, your grandma might be a whore. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's the moral of this story. The moral of this story is your grandma is horny, and she's probably banging young dudes if she gets the chance. Because why wouldn't she? Why wouldn't she just plow some strange? Grandpa died years ago. Grandma's been cooped up blowing uh, uh, dust out the love box and here she goes granny's getting down just think about it just think about it yeah 
grandma's listening to Big 49 right now. She's looking for some young moto dudes that she wants to bang. Maybe she'll make a little home video with them. Could totally happen. It's totally, totally possible. I can say this because all my grandmas are dead. But hey, yours may not be. I'm Stretch. Happy Thursday. It's the Big 49. That feeling you get when you listen to the Big 49. I'm all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Exactly like that. Big 49. It is a stretch show, and it's time to talk about one of my favorite topics called hang. Because although we are anti-drugs here at the Big 49, although we do not do drugs or even alcohol of any way, shape, or form around here, uh, we, uh, we as in me, myself, and I, plan on be becoming big cocaine smugglers to offset the expenses of trying to do business in California. We'll find a way to pay taxes on it, too, so at the end when they nail you, then they're like, oh, yeah, now we're getting you for tax evasion? Oh, no, no, no. We're going to write this into the books of the 49. Like, man, that little radio station is making a fortune. This guy wants like a cocaine. That's why. That's how it's going to go down. But I'm telling you, I'm taking notes as I, I lay out this master plan. And I can tell you this. I am not going to ever have a cocaine chip through... UPS or FedEx or a messenger. And here we go. We got UPS employees that were in on the take. They were trafficking cocaine in Texas. Say shipping companies in the world attempt to traffic drugs for personal profit, but some UPS employees have been accused of being in on the cocaine smuggling. Yep, U.S. Attorney released the details this week on a scheme that involved two UPS employees identified as Orlando Candelario Almanzo and uh, Mr. Fidencio Salinas Jr. Along with three others, Javier Enrique Mendoza, 58-year-old uh, Jose Felipe Lozano, and 45-year-old Enrique Bernardo Gomez. There you go. All these men worked together with Almanza and Salinas to traffic cocaine on multiple occasions between March and October of 2022. And the government knew about it the whole time and they just sat back and watched and gathered their evidence and then moved in for the kill. Say it was a whole side job. That's your side job. You know, I work at UPS, I do what I gotta do, but on the side, I, I ship cocaine. They say Almanza and Salinas used their position to ship the packages while Mendoza gave them the cocaine-filled packages and Gomez used his home for storage of the drugs before they were moved. Lozano came in and provided the fake shipping labels. Cocaine. Authorities were able to catch 60 kilos of cocaine that the group had trafficked. Uh, UPS had to come out and be like, uh, we do not condone shipping cocaine. UPS is a big company. They don't need the side hustle of shipping cocaine. No, they don't need the headache. And they damn sure don't want their employees shipping it and making them look bad. So they're bending over backwards to assist the authorities and to roll these employees under the bus and act like it doesn't happen on a regular basis. Because let me tell you something. I have known a uh, drug shipper or five in my days. And some of the places they uh, get their drugs and how they move their drugs are pretty amazing. And UPS and FedEx are commonly one of the most used methods where they just ship it. Yeah. 
All these gentlemen are up on uh, charges of possession with intent to distribute and conspiracy to possess with intent to distribute. And they're looking at life in prison and a $10 million fine. Which means they made a lot of money. Which means somewhere there is bags and bags and bags and bags and bags of cash hidden away. Yep, that's what happens. Yep, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. And life in prison is a long time when you're moving that kind of cocaine. Cocaine. That's right. 60 kilos in Texas. But up next, we're going to talk to Mr. Chase Sexton from the HRC Honda team. And then I'm going to get into more cocaine stories. This uh, cocaine Thursday on the Big 49. Strap it in. Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. All right, as we sit here with over a week of rain and cold weather here in Southern California, and I say cold weather by Southern California standards, let's not get it twisted. Even though it has freaking snowed all over Southern California, even here in Los Angeles at places it's never snowed before. But I can tell you this, I'm looking at all the videos of the riders training right now for the Supercross this weekend in Daytona, which means they're all in Florida training because all of the companies and riders have places in Florida that they train at most of the season because California hates freaking motocross, but that's another sidebar. But I'll tell you this, the weather looks amazing. It is sunny and nice. No one's wearing parkas. There's no snow on the ground. And these guys are getting ready to ride this weekend in some beautiful Florida weather of the Sunshine State. That's what they're doing. Didn't we used to be the Sunshine State? What the hell happened? It's like snowing and cold here. This is some BS. I want to go to Florida where all the crazy people are. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ. Coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It's a stretch show on a Thursday, getting ready for the Friday. The Moto Man Kyle Spectacular at 3 o'clock. Then Saturday, this week it's going to be at 2 p.m. That's when the 4-9 will crack the microphones. And we will ride that dusty trail down to Daytona for the indoor-outdoor Supercross track. Eli Tomac got a ride with a red plate into Florida. He got to look at that track and be like, this is my track, bitch. My name's Eli F. and Tomac, and I own this track. I'm the winningest rider in the history of this facility. That would be Daytona Speedway, where they race NASCARs typically, but once a year, they haul in an F-ton of dirt and sand and rock and make some badass supercross racing in the outdoor style. Nothing like it. Nothing like Daytona. Very different track. Eli Tomax only got a two-point lead on Mr. Cooper Webb, and Cooper Webb is a grinder. That dude can get on the track, he'll get the squinty, cleanly, sweat eyes, and he'll be like, I got you, Eli. And Eli will be like, no, you don't, Cooper. Can't live in my head. You can suck it. And Cooper will be like, oh, we'll see about that. And Chase says, like, hey, what about me, guys? I'm faster than both of you. I just got to keep the bike up, and I'll beat both of you. And they're like, shut up, young buck. And he's like, oh, I'm tired of you old guy, grandpa's disrespecting me. We're going to have a showdown. And it's going to be Saturday at 4 p.m. Pacific time. And I'll show you two grandpas once and for all. I'll take that red plate and I'll ride back the wind with it. And guess what? He just might do it. Never after seven rounds of Supercross have we had a closer a tie between, or not a tie, but a closer battle between three riders ever in the history of Supercross. 
Never. Seven rounds in, and there's not a clear-cut dude that's running away with it. It is a dogfight with three dudes, and we will cover it here on the 4-9. Right now, though, let's go down to another area where people battle for the championship. And that is called kind smuggling. It's like I just told you about this two stories ago. Well, I did. Only this time, it's kind of scary. We're going to go down to Argentina. Buenos Aires, Argentina. Apparently, there's drug cartel down there, too. And they like to slang. And now, there's another one that's moved into the same area of Buenos Aires. This rival drug cartel gangs, you know what that means? That means they're going to throw it down. Yeah. Here's what we got. We got the group. And they have uh, taken a video of themselves wearing police uniforms with clown masks on and very high-powered rifles, machine guns, etc. And the killer clowns have a voice because they don't want to put their voice out there and then have a machine later say, yeah, we identified that as your voice. Look, it's a fingerprint because they can do that. So they have a computer animated voice and the voice comes on in Espanol and it threatens a group led by Max Ali Allegra, also known as Alicho. And they tell all the residents of this area. It's called the Via 9 de Julio neighborhood. And they come in and they say, attention residents of Via 9 de Julio, make yourself scarce. Do not be on the streets because we are coming in the next 48 hours to wipe out Max Ali Alegre. And they say, do not leave your houses or you could be killed in the gunfire. We inform you not to leave your homes because this territory has an owner and this organization has taken over without any paperwork involved. Stay home or die. Yeah. Police sources say that the men in the clip belong to the gang ran by Javier El Ringo Pacheco a drug lord in the San Martin district. And he's trying to move in. He's gonna come in and get the Alicho and the Gordo and everybody else. And he'll be like, F you guys. It's my area now. So there you go. We got drug battles going on in Argentina. Argentina, not just a great place for Nazis to escape to after World War II. A great place to find beautiful blonde hair, blue-eyed Latina women who are, I'm going to have to tell you, a result of those Nazis running to Argentina after World War II. Very true. I am Stretch. Don't go to Argentina, I guess, is the moral of the story. It's the Big 49. Big 49, where toxic masculinity lives. Big 4-9, it's a stretch show. We're going to go from, man, the show today has been motocross, cocaine, and sex. That is all I got today. We're going back to sex to close it out here before I wrap it up in the final hour with a rerun of the Nate Thrasher interview and then just pack it up and get out of here. So I get into my last segment, I figure I'll go back to the sex. Sex sells. I got UFOs, too. It's a strange show. I guess if you summed up the stretch show in a nutshell, it would be Moto Rock, UFOs, Kalkine, Sex. Eh, 
That's about it. And then just, oh, in Florida. That'd be about it. I'm, I'm okay with that, with that summary of the stretch show. Right now, though, I found a story and I found it misleading and it bothered me, so I did a little research because that's what I do. <sighs> it was a sex position. I'm like, I never heard of that. And that's rare because I am a sexual guru. And they're saying, here we are in March. You're getting ready to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Why don't you spice up your love life with the clover? And I'm like, I've never heard of the clover. Uh, and they say it's the clover position. They call it the shamrock shake. It's got a couple names. And I'm like, okay, I'm interested. What do we got? It's basically reverse cowgirl. It's not. It's just a, another name for reverse cowgirl. There's nothing different about the sex position. So I felt rather disappointed. So I figure I can't give the people something that's really nothing. That's not right. That's not how stretch rolls. That's not how the big 49 operates. If we tell you we're going to give you a new sex position. We give you a new sex position. So I kept digging. And then I found one that caught my eye. You know why? Because I am a fat guy. And I love food. So I found the lasagna sex position. Now the lasagna sex position, not anything new either. But then I found something new. Because I kept digging. Lasagna sex positions where, let's just say the female for stretch show's sake, lies uh, on her stomach on the bed. And it's basically doggy without her being up on her knees. She's laying flat or it can be up on her elbows with her, her uh downward dog position I guess and your bodies are basically flat on top of each other like lasagna that's where it gets the name lasagna not a new position it's a, it's a new name for it I haven't heard it called that before but nothing that uh, not everyone has not already done a thousand times so lasagna right and then I saw Vermont lasagna now you, now we're talking in Vermont lasagna what's one thing lasagna has it has well, red sauce on it. And you're like, oh, stretch, don't go there. No, 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 I'm not going there. This is a unique one. In the Vermont lasagna, the woman punches the man in the face so that his face is bleeding. See, you thought it was going to be menstrual sex, which is crime scene sex, which is just, can just gross you out. No, this is the lady punches the guy in the face and the guy's bleeding everywhere. And then you do the lasagna position. And it's called Vermont lasagna. I don't know why in Vermont women like to punch their dudes in the face, but that's what it is. I don't make this crap up. I just report it. It's kind of like when I break out the tarot cards. I don't make stuff up. I just pull the card, read the card. I give what the universe gives me. And today the universe gave me Vermont lasagna. So let your girl punch you in the face so you're bleeding everywhere, and then you plow her from the back in the lasagna position. Different strokes for different folks That's all I can say. Get your Vermont lasagna on. There's other positions too, but most of them now are just new names for old, same old stuff. Don't even ask me about an Alabama Hot Pocket or a Cleveland Steamer or an Alaskan Pipeline because those are just vile and foul. Look it up if you don't believe me. All right, I got to get out of here. Coming up next, Mr. Nate Thrasher. Again, if you missed it earlier in the show, Nate will be back from the Star Racing Yamaha crew. We'll talk about his injury, talk about his win, and talk about how he's getting ready for Daytona. All coming up right here on a big 4-9.
Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. All right, I found something very disturbing in Moto World that has bothered me greatly. Max Anstey, you know, is one of my favorite freaking racers out there. And he's getting ready for the Daytona Supercross this weekend. And he was doing some social media posting where he was sitting there with his family. That's his wife and his new uh, baby. And the guy's filming him. And Max's dogs freak out on the camera guy. They start attacking him because he's getting too close to the family with the camera. And they're protecting. The only problem is this. Max Anstey has chihuahuas. No. Chihuahuas. You can't have Chihuahuas and be a Supercross racer. Justin Barsha has Great Danes. The Lawrence Brothers and Kenny Roxon, they got French Bulldogs. Chase Sexton just got a cool new dog. It's a puppy. You know what none of those dogs are? Chihuahuas. A Supercross racer can't have a pack of Chihuahuas and plan on keeping his street cred, Max. I'm just telling you because we're BFFs. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is a Stretch show. Getting up out of here is what we do. Time to go home. Thank you to Nate Thrasher for being on the show. Thank you to Chase Sexton, HRC Honda. Tomorrow, we're going to do a triple whammy. Not only will we rerun the Nate Thrasher interview, if you missed it, for people that don't catch the middle of the show, we're also going to sprinkle in Hunter Lawrence and also uh, Smith from the Star Racing Yamaha crew too, Justin Smith. So all of that. I'm sorry, Jordan Smith. What am I saying? I'm losing my mind. All of that coming up on the show tomorrow. So the entire 250 podium for the Friday show as we get ready for Daytona. Thank you to the uh, weird sexy freaks that gave me content today. The Kalk Heinz Langers at the UPS that gave me content today. I didn't even get to everything I had. Uh, shout out to the people of Chicago for getting rid of that nut job idiot mayor racist Seabiscuit mayor they had. Lightfoot, the first black lady to ever be the mayor of Chicago. Black lady lesbian to ever be the mayor of Chicago who took office and then refused to meet with white journalists saying she would only meet with a journalist of color. She's a racist. There's no room for that anywhere in politics and I'm glad she got the bounce and she got the bounce because why? Because Chicago's got a massive crime problem. And these super Libby mayors that are wanting to defund the police. And she was one of the big screamers of defunding the police. And she actually did defund the police. Got bit in the ass by the response of the voters because crime shot through the roof. And that's real deal Holyfield. The, new, the guy coming in, they say, is way too conservative to run Chicago. And I bet you Chicago turns into a really good place. They thought the same thing about New York when Mayor uh, Rudy Giuliani took over and cleaned up that crap hole for a while. Now it's back to being a crap hole, but Giuliani had that place humming. So you get somebody in that's tough on crime and wants to clean up and wants to work with the police and not chastise and bind their hands behind their back so they can't do their job, and you get a city on the on the uptick. So I hope this new mayor gets it done. Lightfoot out. See you later. One term done, they say it hasn't happened in a major city since the 80s. Because typically they get in and status quo, people are like, ah, everything's fine. It's just the city mayor, I don't really care. Well, now people care because they're all getting robbed and they got homeless problems and everything else. So shout out to Chicago. Happy for America today. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, God bless you all. God bless the United States of America. <laughs>